Welcome to episode 11 of the Solving Problems podcast, where we help you use story to reach more people and grow your church. My name is Jonathan Carone, if we haven't met, and we're here with our co-host, Kyler Nixon. Today's episode's all about how to use failure to manipulate people and get them to do what you <laughs> Wait, not, not really. It is not about that. That's what uh, I, churches felt like they used to do. Right. Today is all about how to use failure to let people know the stakes of what's going on. In a healthy and appropriate way. <laughs> In a healthy, appropriate way that actually makes them want to move to action and not feel guilted to action. Right. Without stakes, no one really has any reason to do anything. And because of that, we occasionally have to talk about failure, even though, Kyler, you're the most unconfrontational person I've ever met. Right. But e even you know you have to talk about failure occasionally. Right. Yeah, definitely. We have to talk about the stakes. We have to let them know, hey, here's what's going to happen if you don't do this. And it kind of sounds like a threat when I say it that way. But uh, Drew has some phenomenal, really practical ways that you can talk about failure in your church. And that's why he's on this episode. And I am not because he's much better at talking about failure uh, than I am. <laughs> The way the, the way StoryBrands describes failure and using failure is that if we're baking a loaf of bread, the success of our character is our flour. We want tons of success. We uh, that's the hope dealer. That is um, God has a great plan for your life and all those things that we talk about all the time. Failure is our salt. We want just enough salt to make the bread taste yummy but not enough to make it taste terrible and turn people away. Mm -hmm. So I, speaking of, speaking of bread, I worked at Olive Garden when I was a freshman in high school. Um, I was like so excited. My first, my first big boy job. Right. Um, and at Olive Garden, when you are there, I don't know if they've changed this, but you, um, you can get like half off meals at the end of your shift basically. So I'm getting like $5, like chicken Alfredo and all this stuff. Well, you prepare the meal yourself. So they'll, the, the cooks will make it for you, but you grab everything, you know, all the sides and all that type of stuff. So I would grab literally like probably 20 breads sticks every time that I would leave Olive Garden with my, uh, you know, my because they're, meal delicious. Or whatever, because they're delicious. So that's a great example. You need a lot of flour and you need a little bit of salt because uh, the Olive Garden breads bread is right, like just salty enough to make you want a bunch, but then not salty enough that it, it turns you off. Right, right. Exactly. Yeah, that's failure. That's how we use failure in story. And in our churches to connect with people, we want it to be just enough to to taste good, to move right. people to want to do something else. And the problem is in the churches of yesteryear, we talked about failure way too much and the bread became too salty. It was all hellfire brimstone. Um, but the flip side of that has become in 2019 and beyond. We talk about, we don't talk about failure enough. It's all God is a great life for you in Jeremiah 29, 11. And um, it's just, we never talk about sin. We never talk about the stakes that if we don't move to action, if we don't put our faith in Jesus, there are real consequences. Right. Well, and even being a Christian is is not easy. Like if you if you're doing that, like it's it's challenging. And so I think we even need to talk about uh, failure as you know as being Christians and you know deciding to be a Christian or following Christ, whatever that looks like. Um, sprinkling in a little bit of failure along with a success is a really healthy um, and a good way to just really talk about what you're, you know, trying to accomplish and, and yeah, really share that failure and that success at the same time. 
So that's what today's episode is about. Kyler uh, alluded to it earlier, but Drew Powell from Crosspoint Church is joining us today. Drew is a former lead pastor and is now the creative arts pastor uh, at a multi-site church that uh, is one of the churches that I look to on the front lines of how they do things. Drew was with us back in the fall twice, and if you missed those episodes, he was with us talking about how to plan a Christmas service, which isn't really relevant right now, unless you're listening to this next November. And he was also uh, did an episode with us about how to plan events and communicate events so that people actually show up, want to show up. So that was a really good episode if you want to go back and listen to more of Drew after this. But we're going to bring back the dance music, and then Drew will be with us on the other side of that. All right, we're here with Drew Powell. Say hey, everybody, Drew. Hey, guys. What's going on? Hey, so let's go ahead and and jump in Um, because today's a little bit of a uh, bigger topic, uh, more theoretical than some of our other ones. Um, So big picture, big question to start with. Why are churches today so afraid at mentioning failure? Yeah, well, I mean, that's a great question, great place to start. Um, I think it's probably for, for several reasons. The, I think one of the big one is, and you may have already touched on this a little bit, but we just have so much historical baggage in the church, just in general with um, churches talking about failure in, in, in probably in a not helpful way. And so I know there's a lot of churches, even in the church I, I serve at in Crosspoint, um, you know, we know hope is such a big part of what we do and what we're trying to bring to people that sometimes it feels like if we talk about failure, we're going back into maybe the old school style of communication where it's more of the, you know, wagging the finger and kind of shaking your head at people and saying, you know, you got to get your life right or you're going to go to hell type stuff. So um, I think that's probably the the biggest reason why. And then I think also just maybe not knowing how to do it well. I think it's just, there's a way that you can do it that's helpful and you can work it in, but without knowing how to do it well as part of your, uh, your messaging. Um, it can, it can kind of backfire on you and it also can trigger some people's emotions as far as how they feel about church. And so, you know, cross point, real careful about that. People are coming in, not emotionally neutral to the idea of church. And so anything that kind of triggers, Oh, see, there they go again. That's all they, you know, the church just wants my money or the church just wants to make me feel shame or whatever it is. Uh, we try to steer away from that. So it is, it is a, a tough kind of tension to manage. So one of the things you said there is that we've, We've done failure in a bad way before, and uh-huh. I think we don't want to come across hellfire brimstone of that, but we know that with no stakes, there no one will be moved to action. So as we think about this, like there are really two areas where we can talk about failure. Um, we can talk about it in our preaching and our teaching, and we can talk about it in our announcements. And there's been a trend. Yeah. Um, you, you hit on a little bit in our preaching to go, to be the hope dealer, to urge people, which in, in our world, that, that's important. But I think that hope that we're bringing to people when paired with a little bit of failure to let people know like, Hey, this is what's really going on. Um, or this is what's at stake. I think that makes the story of the gospel that much stronger. 
as someone who uh, preaches or teaches regularly, and you've got you've got that in your background, what does it look like to actually sprinkle in failure into your sermons a little bit? Yeah, that's it, it, it's hard, and I think it's hard specifically for me. You know, I'm a I'm an Enneagram Seven, which just means that we don't like to feel pain or focus on the negative side of things in general, anyway. Um, but you said it perfectly. The the fact of the matter is, um, we have to help people know that there's there's a real enemy. There's a real um, devil that is at war for our souls and for our marriages of our kids and wants to keep us trapped in addiction and all those things. And so there's just a stewardship issue of talking through some of those parts of our spiritual journey. And I think if we don't talk about them, um, you know, it's actually becomes not helpful for the people we're talking to. And, you know, there's a whole nother, you know, theology debate that we're not here to get into just about some of those type things anyway. But regardless of what you believe or how you believe, there's just a downside, a negative side, failure side, if you will, of, of what happens um, when you don't follow Jesus or if you don't live, uh, honestly, live the life that God's promised you. So when I'm teaching, and it's tough for me to do this sometimes, there's a few ways I think through it. First of all, I can, I can give a lot of the failure into setting up the tension. And so when we talk about the problem early, um, I talk a lot of failure even up early, like, hey, here's, here's what could happen. Um, if like a lot of my messages, I start, start with a question, just kind of pose a question to people. So I'll give failure early in a message and teaching. Um, but the main way that I use failure in a teaching is I personalize it. So it's a lot easier for me to talk about failure when I talk about something that I have failed in or something that I have, that's, you know, been a struggle for me. Or, um, just recently I did a message at Crosspoint where I, I I talked about the the topic of depression and anxiety, which is, it's so huge right now in our, in our culture. And I, I just talked through it through the lens of what I dealt with and what I struggle with in my own personal story. And so it keeps me from having to feel like, I'm um, like coming against people or coming after people. I can just say, Hey, here's how I've failed with this. Here's how I've experienced it. And it just makes it so much more accessible to people to be like, yeah, you know what? That's me too. And I've, I've seen that. Um, so that's the main way to personalize it. And then one other way I would just say is I usually, if I'm going to use failure, it's, it's in conjunction with success too. And I think we see that a lot in the story brand framework where it's, you talk about failure, but you can also mention, you know, if you don't do this, this will happen. But that's why we want this for you so that this can happen, the more positive side. And so I try to, whenever I can, to book end it to where even if I say, um, you know, you've got an enemy that's at war with your soul. Um, but you know, you have hope in Jesus or whatever. I'm just kind of giving general examples, but, um, if I can close with success, it helps me hit the failure part, but also still keep the hope piece in there. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, that's the piece of like, um, we say over and over that the failure is the salt. We don't want too much of the salt. Right. Um, we want just enough. And I think, uh, you kind of hit on this, but one way, whenever I've taught to sprinkle in that failure, for example, like God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but without him, it's really easy to live a life paralyzed by fear. If without trusting in Jesus on trying to doing on our own, we're going to be fearful. So he's telling us through him, we don't have to be fearful. So like you said, it's ending. It's almost like a failure sandwich. We put the success on the front end. We mentioned the failure in the middle, and then we put the success on the back end as well. Because we want people to have that hope. We want them to come out of listening to us with the part that sticks with them being Jesus is the answer. Jesus helps me get to this place, not 
oh my goodness, I'm going to be fearful everywhere or I'm going to have anxiety. But we want them to know that if he's the answer, what's the question? Yeah, that's exactly right. And I, you nailed it because I think if we, we obviously we set up a tension, set up a problem for people, but they have to know, especially people coming into church, they have to know, Hey, this is a problem. And this is what's going to happen from a failure side. If we don't address this problem. I mean, if you think of it very practically, if we don't do that, well, we're not actually helping them. And I think, you know, the great preachers and teachers that I look up to do a really great job of exposing an area or problem in my life that I might not even know exists yet. I mean, that's part of the issue of preaching and teaching. The first, you know, quarter of your message is just exposing a problem that they didn't think of and saying, if you don't get this fixed, here's what's going to happen. This is, or this is why your life will continue to, um, you know, you go down the list, you continue to struggle in addiction or why your marriage might continue to struggle or all those things. And then you offer them the, the solution, you know? And so I think you, you, you nailed it perfectly with that. And I like the failure. You said, what do you say? Failure sandwich, success sandwich. Failure sandwich yeah. That's uh because at the end of the day, we do want, we do want people to leave with the hope of the gospel. And that's what, that's what we want. Uh, we don't want anybody leaving, which, you know, hanging their head. Well, you said earlier, they got to know what's at stake. If you don't do this, I mean, uh, there's some real, real life stuff at stake. And actually this summer, we're going to do um, a full episode on preaching using the story around framework. But as part of that, uh, you just mentioned a second ago, when we first start the sermon, uh, we have to let people know what the stakes are, and then we have to escalate those stakes. So that right there, um, with the, what the problem is, escalating the problem, that is enough failure in, in a lot of cases. We don't have to sit there and harp on it over and over, but we have to at least introduce some form of problem, some form of failure, or else it's not an interesting story. Yeah, that. I totally agree. And I, and I do put a lot of, for I'm preaching specifically, I do put a lot of the failure even on the front end and setting up the tension. Um, because like, like you were saying, a lot of people come into church and you can't assume that they're walking in. Um, I mean, you do have to use the first five to 10 minutes to unpack a problem that they might even know exists yet. I mean, you almost have to prove there's a problem first and failure is a part of that before you even go into your text. And some of the great communicators do that. It's like, Oh yeah, you know, I never thought about that. I didn't know I had that issue. I didn't know. Now I'd love to know what the solution is. And so a big part of me is just um, proving in the first five to 10 minutes of the message that this actually is an issue. Here's how it could impact your life negatively, but don't worry because the scripture has something to say about that. Hey everyone, I want to take a quick break real quick. Uh, Drew did not ask me to do this, but I wanted to do this for him because I like helping people who have helped us. Recently, Crosspoint, the church Drew serves at, released a four track worship album. You can find it on iTunes, on Spotify, everywhere you want to get. Uh, go to crosspoint.tv slash music for all the links. They've got track listings. They've got chord charts. They've got lyric videos, behind the scenes videos of why they wrote a couple of the songs they did and all the things that you can do. They've even got some tutorial videos so that your worship team can potentially start playing these songs in your church. Honestly, uh, I've been a little frustrated with church music recently. I feel like it's been too focused on us and how we feel. And this album is uh, four songs that point directly to Jesus, point directly to who he is and what he's done for us. And I absolutely love the album. So that's why I wanted to do a quick minute long 
plug for that. So crosspoint.tv slash music uh, to find all the details on what you where you can get that and start listening to it when you're done with the podcast. But back to Drew's interview. Let's shift a little bit and look at our announcements because um, not everyone listening to this is a is a teacher on the teaching team, um, but most of us have some form of communications responsibilities. So when we're announcing things, um, so this could be on social, this could be upfront announcements, it could be an email blasts or whatever. We don't, again, we don't want to focus on failure, but we have to let people know the stakes. So what does it look like to talk about failure when you're promoting an event? Yeah, it, it is really important. Like we said earlier, it's something that a lot of times we leave out because we don't know how to do it well. And because we're hyping so much, we're always talking about, oh man, if you come to this, this is going to be so amazing. You got to come. And that's a, that's a, a big part of why StoryBrain actually helps with announcements specifically, because it actually helps you make make them the hero, talk about a problem they have, and it gets you a little bit out of the hype business where you don't feel like you got to hype everything. You're actually just meeting a, a very real need for someone. And honestly, if you're not if you're not meeting that real need, then you probably should evaluate the event. And so it kind of helps you um, kind of put the, the event through that framework. Um, but I would say uh, we talked about this a little bit last time, but for us, we love to use a lot of humor when it comes to failure. Uh, humor is a way that disarms some of the failure stuff. Um, we can still tell some personal stories about how, how you failed, but especially in the announcements, um, I'm trying to think of some real time examples. I'm actually doing the announcements this week. We're talking our connect events at the beginning of the year. We're trying to get people, um, you know, connected into the life of the church. We're trying to get people into groups. Um, and some of the failure we can talk about there is even some of the past history that they've had with bad group experiences or, even talking through, hey, we we know that we've got a, a larger church here. How do we make a large church feel small? Well, if you come to connect, if you get involved in a group, that's a way um, that you can do that. And we'll talk through failure things like, man, we don't we don't want you to come to church and not have anybody sit with. You know, that would be a good example of failure. So if you go to this, this will help you from feeling alone at church. And you know, some of the empathy. If we understand we're a big church, and part of the failure of that is you can get lost right here in our own lobby. We don't want that for you. And so if you'll come to this, it'll avoid you feeling alone. It'll avoid you feeling like you don't know anybody here. And then we hit them with the success, kind of like you were saying earlier, the, that failure sandwich afterwards. It's like, but you'll have, you'll have your friends that you can sit with if you, if you get into a group. Another piece of that is um, I've seen done before, especially in, I mean, even once you get over a hundred people in a church, uh, a pastor saying, especially talking specifically about groups, uh, Hey, I can't care for everyone. And uh, when you're sick or you have a family member who's sick, you deserve to have someone to come sit with you and pray with you. And I can't be that person for everyone. The, the church staff can't be that person for everyone. So that's what our, that's what our groups are for. We want you to have people in a support st- system so that when this when stuff does hit the fan, you have people around to help you out because that's a that's a real need. Yeah, it's a great point. And for people to have that one phone call, I think that's a great angle. I think that's beauty of like, especially when there's a time where you've got three or four weeks where you got to do announcements in a row. Sometimes it's, it's great to be creative on what is the failure point for that time. So you mentioned the pastor, um, you know, you deserve to be able to have a, a personal relationship with the pastor, someone to follow up with you. Um, but a lot of times we'll talk about, do you have that one phone call when life happens? Do you have someone you can call that's going to come and be there for you? And it's amazing how many people are like, no, I don't. I had someone on, on my music team recently as a, as a volunteer, but it was in a car accident and the, Officer asked him, who do you have to call? And um, he said, I don't, I don't have any, I don't have anybody. And 
he was telling me the story and I said, well, what do you do? You have me and we were able to have that moment, but it was just a eye-opening experience of that is a, a failure point that something like groups solves. And so if you can get to the heart and again, we're, we're using groups as an example, but whatever that event or whatever thing you're announcing is the heart of what failure might look like, you won't have that one phone call and it triggers something like, Oh yeah. Okay. I need to sign up because I don't have that. A way to flip that same failure point funny mm-hmm. is uh, that I've used before is um, if HGTV showed up at your front door to do a backyard renovation, do you have the people to call to help you with it? Oh, that's good. Or are you going to have to pass up a free backyard? That's good. I'm stealing um, that. <laughs> I like that. But it, help, it helps people who think like without thinking the negative, but still letting them know the stakes of, no, man, I don't have six people to call if back if yard crasher shows up right um so if i don't have people to call when yard crasher shows up what do i have to call when i get in a car wreck or when i get the sick diagnosis they're going to feel that blanket in their head yeah so we can we can just set the t up for them and kind of scrape the surface and then they can go down that rabbit hole themselves but then we offer a solution we we always again fill, put the success back on top of the sandwich sure um sure but we go there no, Another example of the, uh, when I was preparing for this episode, I thought about was I always go back to the marriage conference example, because most churches do some type of marriage conference, just doing that announcement. We know marriage is hard. That's our empathy statement. Um, so we're bringing in this expert. That's our authority to talk about how your marriage can thrive success and avoid ending in divorce. Like 50% of American marriages, that's the failure. Like we want you to thrive, we want you to thrive because we know marriage is hard and most and half marriages end in failure. If we just said we want you to have a thriving marriage, okay, some people will show up for that. But if we say we know marriage is hard, I mean, yeah, it is really, and we want you to avoid divorce, that's in the back of a lot of people's minds when they're nowhere close to divorce. So you're just pressing a pain point they already have and pressing that pain point moves them to action. Yeah, I love that example. And, and you can even flip-flop those two, honestly. I mean, you could go, using your same example, talk about how your marriage can avoid ending in divorce. And thrive. like if you want to do your failure sandwich, you could move the success to the end. But what I love, like what you did is you made me think, but you depersonalized as well. Well, you didn't get up and say, hey, if you don't come to this marriage conference, your marriage is going to end in divorce. You know, but what you did is you said you gave a stat, you gave some some data. And and I think that's a, a really creative and clever way to use failure. If you can give people some cultural stats, hey, 50 percent of marriages in divorce. Now, you're not saying yours is, but they're already personalizing that themselves and internalizing it. Right. And so that's a great way to use failure with data or stats. Or did you know that, you know, 80 percent of the population say that they feel alone most of the time? You know, I made that up. But still, the <laughs> idea is. Oh yeah, I'm in that 80%. But you're not, again, you're not using failure as a weapon. You're using it to expose this, this problem or what would happen if you don't engage in this, this marriage conference in your example, which I, I think that's a brilliant example. I think your last statement, we can end on this one because I think it's so good. You said not to use failure as a weapon. And I think in the past, churches have used failure as a weapon. And that's what, going back to the beginning of our conversation, that's what has burned so many people. And that's why so many people are now afraid to use failure is because in the past it was weaponized. But if we use failure as salt, as just a piece of the story, then people know the stakes. It's not 
it's not attacking them. Yeah. And I, I think every single leader needs to, we have to soul search and say, if we're doing this event, if we're doing this message, whatever it is, um, we're not going to use failure as a way to manipulate. And that's historically, that's what people have felt from the church. It's just a reality. And so we have a great challenge and really great opportunity. We still need to use failure, but we need to do it in a way where we're saying, hey, this is something we want for you, not from you. And here's what could happen to you. And the reason why I'm telling you this is the same reason why I would talk to my, my children and tell them to, to not play out in the road or not play in the street because, man, I, I love them deeply and I want to see them successful. And he, like you said earlier, here's what's at stake. And so because I love you, I'm going to let you know what failure might look like, but I'm going to do it in a way that makes you know that I don't, I'm not trying to manipulate you. And I'm not trying to shame you, but I really have something here that I think is going to make a difference for you. Man, that's really good. Thanks again for being with us, Drew. Uh, we appreciate everything you bring to the table. Yeah, man. I love what you do. Keep it up. That was Drew Powell, creative arts pastor at Cross Point Church in Nashville. Uh, that's it for this week on the Solving Problems podcast. If you haven't, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review us. We'll be back next week with Wes Gay, uh, his first time with us this season. We're going to be talking about, it's actually going to be a really fun episode. We'll be talking about uh, naming events in a way that isn't confusing. And we're going to have uh, some fun playing around with some of the worst name events we have ever heard. That's it for this week. We will see you next Wednesday. We hope you have a great week. 